Hi, my name is Ian Parry and welcome to What the Future, the podcast which explores what it means to be a future leader. We speak with interesting people about topics that matter. In today's episode, we discuss electric vehicles and the supporting infrastructure. We welcome Clay Miller from Octopus Electric Vehicles, Andy Colden from Hope Energy, and Ryan Ramsey from BMM Networks. Hi, all. Hello. Hi. Good morning. Um, really grateful for your time today. So um, I probably should say from the start, I don't drive an electric vehicle, so I'm really interested in uh, what, what everybody's got to say on this topic today and, and how, um, you know, how it's driving net zero in particular, uh, what, what some of the challenges you hear from, from people on the street or, or even people in your, your organisations and, and people you come across. Um, and, and, and I guess how, it, how it's developing over time, because it's obviously moving at a very fast pace. Um, and I, I wouldn't say I was, a, I was a cynic, absolutely far from that, but I just haven't quite been bought into the, the idea just yet. Um, so I'm, I'm very open to be convinced. My doors are ajar, um, and I'm, 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 a, I'm a sort of a, somebody you can sell to today, if you wouldn't mind. Um, so let's, let's jump into it then, okay? So obviously we, we, we've got um, a few things to cover today. So um, Claire, starting off with you then, if you wouldn't mind, um, where does Electric Vehicles rank for you as a contributor to the Global Net Zero Challenge? Um, thanks, Ian, and thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, very high. Transport, <clears throat> we know, is one of the main contributors to uh, carbon, um, to pollution as well. Um, and being able to tackle uh, the issue of uh, reducing carbon emissions through uh, electric vehicles in general is very, very important. Um, it's not the only thing, but it's a very important one. And actually, um, when we think about vehicles, uh, we often think about EVs, think about Tesla, uh, we think about that kind of sexy, uh, you know, sci-fi, you know, car of the future, but actually it's that, and it's so much more. So it's the light goods vehicles, the last mile delivery vehicles, it's uh, the heavy goods vehicles, you know, the really big trucks, um, the heavy stuff, and I guess you could even go broader, and there's really exciting stuff happening in shipping and in aviation. But I'm going to bring it back down to electric vehicles um, for, for you and me and the family and, and that kind of, you know, like everyday vehicles. Actually, yeah. it has been challenging in terms of price point, and it has been challenging in terms of, and right now, availability. So we have a couple of, a couple of kind of thorny issues to, to work with there where at the moment it's really hard to get an EV in the UK and in other countries um, there's been a, an issue with getting um, chips so microchips EVs have a lot of chips because they have a lot of smart systems and each one of those systems wants a chip to help control it and a lot of software and at the moment there's a real restriction on that and that means that we very hard to get cars um, which is making it hard for people like yourself who are ready to have that conversation to actually get into an EV uh, and I guess the other challenge that we have right, right now is around the price point. So it's really, really important. And I think, you know, we're working really hard on supply and on, you know, getting folk into vehicles to have a try and have a drive. And actually, to your point about, you know, your doors ajar, actually, I'd say to anyone in that position, go and have a test drive. So if you can get to a dealer, if you can get now friends, I'm sure getting them, get in an EV, get a test drive and start to realise that. 
they're actually a lot better than your petrol or diesel vehicle. They are, they're much nicer to drive. They uh, have this instant torque. So there's really fun and really faster off the line. And, uh, and, and, they really are like a, a much nicer mode of transport. So yeah, there's all sorts of things going for EVs uh, as well as their very important um, net zero credentials. Absolutely. Thank you, Claire. Um, and, and Ryan, from your point of view, obviously, you know, the, from an infrastructure perspective, um, rather than the the front end, what, what people see, um, would, would you agree with everything that, that Claire said about the vehicles as well? Yeah, I mean, EVs are really, really exciting. I remember the first time I sat in a Tesla, which was in 2017, didn't know what that car was. And I was sat in the passenger seat and it just blew my mind. And actually what you see now is a full range of um, vehicles available for everybody and in and increasing at a pace that's just absolutely incredible. So so if, if you look at last month, a 40% increase in uptake of electric, electric vehicles, it's, it's incredible. So the infrastructure needs to be there to support it. At the moment, I would say in the UK, and let's be completely honest about that, the commercial infrastructure isn't there yet. It's got a long way to go to be able to reduce that range anxiety that people uh, worry about, the availability of charge points for any EV user, and, and also the right charge point for um, particular EV users. So everybody looks at charge points and thinks of ultra rapid is the only way of charging but actually you need to think about dwell time of um people so if you're going to go shopping you don't want to use an ultra rapid because it's uber expensive and actually what you want to use is a, a slow fast charger 22 kilowatt and use one of those so having the right network um that's bespoke and applicable to every uh, area whether it be residential local authority destination charge points for um shopping or hotels you need to make sure you've got the right infrastructure in place it's not there yet but there are a variety of companies uh, like BMN Networks that are progressing to make that happen. Cool, thanks, Ryan. And obviously, from from your point of view, Andy, as a as, as a guy that's setting up a retail company, we're looking after the planet and, and leaving a legacy of a, of a better planet is is central to that. How how does what Claire Ryan say and what what was going on across the industry? How does that make you feel? Um. So. Op optimistic I think for, from how I feel um, I think for the for the question itself I think the answer is you know is is it gonna how high is the contribution it's a, it's a high with an asterisk and I think I think the asterisk is one is the cost the guys have already mentioned but I think over lifetime you know the cost is you know is, is coming down and down and down but the key thing is uh, we've got to we've got to fuel it with green with you know renewable power with green energy otherwise you know that's that's it's just no point you might as well put petrol in in it so i think that's got to be the main thing um easy, easier said than done of course but um but yeah if, if you're just gonna as we do in the uk half of our power electric comes from gas on you know every day and, and obviously now we're burning a bit of coal when it's getting really really cold that's basically the fuel mix then of, of your electric vehicle. So we've got to increase our renewables. We've got to increase our, you know, storage um, and, and do a lot on, on that side, as well as all the points the other guys have mentioned, you know, infrastructure. We're getting there. We're getting there. It's got to be uh, improved still. Uh, and just, just one other thing, I was just doing a little bit of research because I was thinking how, how big, how many emissions then are produced from, um, from, from cars. And when you look at it, it's around globally, the, the stats differ, but it's about 12%. And on the face of it, you think, well, that's not that much then. But when you look at the segmentation of all the other bits and bobs, that's actually one of the biggest, if not the biggest contributor compared to 
you know, aviation or shipping or, you know, heating the home or whatever, it, whatever else it is. So it is absolutely right that we, you know, we do look at electric vehicles and we do look to improve them. Um, I've got a hybrid myself. I've not quite got the electric vehicle side yet. Um, and I, I love it, um, especially when the electric part is on. So next time I probably will be getting an electric vehicle when, I'm, when I can afford it, of course. So, yeah. Cool. Thanks, Andy. Um, and, and, it's amazing. Sorry, what Andy was saying there about um, that, that move to electric vehicles is, is once, you, once you're in one and you've got one, it's, yeah. it's really where you go back. Yeah, so now I've had a hybrid, I'll, I'll never go back to, I, might, I may get another hybrid possibly, um, but I'll never go back to just, you know, petrol or diesel. Yeah, absolutely right. And I, I, yeah, I've got, my, my brother-in-law's got an electric vehicle, my, uh, my uncle-in-law's got an electric vehicle, and, they, and they're the same, exactly as you're saying, Ryan, they'll never go back now. Yeah. And you see, you've seen the next generation, the younger generation going straight into EVs. So if you look at um, China, for example, China's got, so many charge points all over the place uh, and and they're well kitted out with the structure but the youth are just buying electric cars and sticking with those now and i think that will happen in the uk too as soon as the price point drops yeah yeah so so ryan just picking up on what you mentioned earlier about the infrastructure um and you sort of touched on that obviously you're you're well well positioned to, to answer this question but how would you how would you rate the infrastructure? And I suppose to build on what you said earlier, what where where do you think the problems are, um, and what we need to work on? So, so I think there's there's basically three issues that um, all infrastructure uh, owners and charge point operators deal with. The first one is supply. So without doubt, trying to get charge points into the country is really really difficult. It's been made it's compounded the difficulty with Brexit, obviously. But um, people are working through those challenges in order to get the charge points to meet the meet the supply uh, meet the demand effectively. So make sure supply meets demand. The second one is everybody's understanding of um, electric charge points differs. This is nobody's fault. This is such a, a new, or a relatively new um, environment to work in. That not everybody understands what it is they actually need. Um, and so, so making sure that the right charge points go to the right place first time and keeping that sustainable structure up. And then the third one is uh, processes. So, for example, local authorities are trying desperately to get, <clears throat> excuse me, get infrastructures in place, but their own process slows them down massively. And government could overcome some of those processes, demonstrate the leadership that it needs to in order to make that faster. And then once you get that, you're able to put in the, put in the infrastructure faster, and then you remove that range anxiety for um, EV users, which then increases the uptake of EVs. Cool. Thanks, Ryan. And, and Claire, obviously, you know, you, you've got a huge goal to get more and more people into electric vehicles. And when you listen to, to, to Ryan there, is that is that sort of a, something that you recognise as, as a big issue? And, and are, you, are Octopus doing anything to overcome that? Or, or, or is your position, well, we're focused on the vehicles and the infrastructure, it, it'll, it'll sort itself out? Yeah, well, I'm going to use a, a, a well, a very hackneyed uh, expression that we use a lot, which is that we have a lot of tentacles uh, <laughs> and uh, we have a lot of tentacles for the business. And so uh, I very much um, recognise what Ryan's saying there in terms of their infrastructure challenge and actually thinking about um, dwell time, something that Ryan mentioned earlier, and actually thinking about, you know, uh, who is the driver? 
what are they doing with the vehicle? So there's a, there's a challenge there about you know matching driver and vehicle and, and an appropriate range and a uh, an appropriate you know size of vehicle and that's something we get into lots of discussions with Octopus electric vehicles with with drivers um, and and then it's about okay and, and where is most appropriate for you to charge that vehicle? For a lot of folk, it's going to be at home. And that's going to open up opportunities for using uh, domestic time of use tariffs. So I guess something that Andy may be thinking about is uh, how, yeah, is like how how do you um, how do you tie together mobility with with energy? And for the for the individual for the for those domestic drivers, um, the, the you and me, thinking about energy having a, a price and a kind of a, a carbon impact at different times of the day during a 24-hour cycle is going to be really important. So I think we've got a lot of work to do uh, as, as Octopus um, in, the, in the EV side to, to, to help people understand that that fuel for that vehicle, um, it has a different impact of when they do that charging at home. So that's one whole big topic, uh, which I find absolutely fascinating. And you know, I, I lead the Power Loop project, which is a vehicle to grid demonstration uh, trial. So real life, um, you know, customers putting energy back on the grid from their vehicles at tea time when we know that there's a massive demand on the grid and there's a lot of, uh, as Andy said, you know, we, we're starting to even have to burn coal, but a lot of gas gets burnt to meet that peak demand on the grid at tea time and everyone's going home and putting kettles on and, and that lights because it's winter and stuff like that. Um, but then to, to broaden out that piece around charging, then thinking about, you know, are you going to be at the station all day? Could you be on a, you know, seven kilowatt just just trickling all day? Could you, you go into the shops, you know, you're going to be there a couple of hours or you, you're having to do a long journey, you, you're going to stop, uh, have a coffee, stretch your legs, you know, you, you want to charge quite fast. So I think there's there's a lot of work to do there to educate folk around. You, you don't need to always uh, fill your car. In fact, you don't want to be filling your electric vehicle in the same way as you filled your ice vehicle because it's much more uh, convenient and um, it fits into your life, just like a mobile phone. So we need people to start thinking about their EVs like a mobile phone. When there's an opportunity for a bit of charge, you grab a bit of charge, you know, when's it cheap? And it's very, very convenient. And I think the other point um, around you know, getting people into these EVs generally is you know there's lots of ways that uh, you know at Octopus we're looking at helping people along this journey so in OEV we um, we're focusing on salary sacrifice at the moment and uh, looking at how companies help their employees get into EVs so mm. there's this there's this really good um, situation in the UK at the moment where the tax rate on a company car through a salary sacrifice scheme that's an electric vehicle is very low it's only one percent and so um so Andy I'll happily have a chat with you after about you know getting hope energy onto our electric dream salary sacrifice scheme it means that we can get to more people and we can help those companies also get their employees into cars so that's one of our angles but then I guess the final point I want to make was um, around infrastructure and actually um you know getting into the nitty-gritty of uh, of a person's house, a local authority's, you know, capacity at a particular site, and um, you know, charging hubs where folk can can stop on the motorway. These are all challenges we're getting into. And and, and what I love about Octopus and, and this whole industry is how much partnering that we're doing because right now, very new, everything is sort of nascent. And um, I like to think that a rising tide lifts all ships. So it's really great to to see the amount of um, partnering and uh, and collaboration. And that's what gets me excited because I think that's what's going to get us there quicker. Cool. I'll ask a question. Question it. Oh, sorry. Go on, go on Ryan. Oh, no, I was just going to say you, you got that. That that's brilliant, Claire. That the whole bit is so different to other 
other sectors in the the collaboration piece and yeah. everybody because everybody's got to meet the challenge right yeah we've been given an ambition um, and we we have that ambition is how far do we go to meet it and, and everybody's yeah. trying to do it together at the moment which is great my question to you both because most of my knowledge around electric vehicles is from my uh, personal personal side it feels like and, it, and this could be wrong the emphasis is very much on the the individual or, or businesses to fund the infrastructure um, and I know I was looking again at a stat. So in 2021, 20 to 21, um, over half of the councils in, in the UK didn't spend anything on electric chargers. It feels like there does need to be more support and funding from, from a government level. But I don't know if that if that's just my kind of feeling. I don't know whether that's true. But well, it feels like the emphasis is on the individual and businesses and yeah, so there's, there's good thoughts. news. I'm sure Ryan will now outline the, uh, the good news. I was going to say coming. you go, <laughs> Okay, so, so the government has, you're right, they have focused on um, grants and grant funding and supporting individuals. So um, yeah. so there's been, a re again, a re really good like uh, incentive for individuals to have charge points um, installed at their homes. Um, that incentive is coming to an end quite soon mm -hmm. in March this year. Mm -hmm. And the focus is now shifting. Uh, and that's why I think, you know, Ryan, uh, I'm sure uh, lots of Ryan's projects are starting to, to turn to um, alternative uh, charge point um, installation challenges where the government are going to support more around um, blocks of flats, uh, looking to help landlords get charge points installed so that people who are renting have access. And also for sporting venues, charities, there's lots of um, different organisations that are going to be supported by government grants um, and kind of shifting that focus. And the other thing I think, which is not government focus, like the government's putting support, but actually startups kind of bubbling up in this space is yeah. around um, community charging. So that you've got um, organisations like CoCharger, for example, who are encouraging folk to you know do the Airbnb of the EV world, EV charge point world, by helping uh, them rent out their charger to others who maybe don't want one, can't get one, don't have a driveway. But and that's also comes back to this point about you know most people don't drive that far day to day yeah. in their vehicles. We know most people don't drive more than ten to twenty miles a day. That means you need to charge maybe once a week for your normal commute. So if you've got someone up the road whose charge point you can book for a night. Uh, or, or you're on the go and you can book a, book a charge point at someone's home. That's another really interesting and I think important factor in this to help make it um, make access kind of equitable. Um, and sorry, a final point is around the charge, the, the, the amount that you are charged to use charges. I think we've got to be really careful that I mentioned time of use tariffs for individuals at home. We mm. really need to make sure that those benefits are also passed on to those people who can't charge at home. Um, and need to use public charge points because at the moment uh, the cost is very high to use uh, to use public charge points compared to charging at home where you can get a cheap overnight charge. And uh, I'll stop there. I've, lots of this. This is such a fascinating topic. It just gives me lots of ideas to talk about. But yeah, there's there's lots going on there. Sorry, Ryan. Go ahead. Yeah, I think I think you're right. That I mean, but that the, the charge the charging of um, customers to use charge points is primarily driven by the um, the electricity tariff isn't it so by bringing that down you're then able to pass that on to the customers um i think and andy in addition to what we're talking what claire's been talking about there so so for example we run three different models for for operators who maybe can't get a, who can't get a grant immediately 
And so there's a concession model where we actually fund with, with our own capital fund the install and own the own the charges or we lease the charges or they can buy the charges and we run the back office system for them. So there's a variety of models there to be able to help people. Um, mm. and like you say, it's just bringing it all together. Like Claire says, it's, it's getting the, the government overlay, the funding options that are available to people to make sure that they get the right opportunity for them. And it's certainly getting there. Again, I saw some stats the other day saying, I think there were a thousand odd charge points in 2016. And that's now, you guys probably know the stats better than me, nearly 30,000 now, I think, or yeah. even more than that. So it's, we're certainly getting there, certainly getting there. For 40, so we got, at the moment, we're at 40,000 commercial charge points around the UK. Wow. But you need a million. So if you go to Finland, for example, Finland's got a population of 5 million people and a million commercial charge points. Wow. And we've yeah. got forty thousand for a population of sixty-seven million. Yeah, I was in, I was in Birmingham the other the other day, in one of the biggest car parks um, there, where a lot of people park near Snow Hill Station. There's, and it's, I must have I don't know six, seven hundred spaces, if not more. There were two EV charge points, for example. You know, so yeah, but work to the, do there. Yeah, the, there is work to do, but it's about making sure you've got just the right. So, so people yeah. don't want to spend money on charges if they're not going to be used. Um, but the reality is the uptake in EVs in the last three months, four months has been huge. And now yeah. the infrastructure needs to match really quickly. Yeah. And, yeah. and so there's, uh, yeah, there's a huge challenge to go after it. But I, I'm, I'm just going to bring this back to back to leadership as well. The reality is in this sector, there are some great leaders going out there to, to, to make this stuff happen. And it comes back to that collaborative piece, sharing best practice, sharing opportunities because of the prize for the, the country to realize that net zero ambition and to, to, to be doing what we should be doing for our environment and, and, and for the world is there to take. And, and we're, we're all a big part of that journey, I think. Yeah, I think some, some of my concern perhaps in this space is, so the UK sounds like we're going to get there at some point by hook or crook or whatever it will be. What about in the rest of the world? Um, you know, how, how are they faring? Because I suppose to get the best bang for our book for evs you, you, we need the whole world or at least you know large parts of it to be doing it so i think um yeah how, how do we square that circle so is that you know once again should should rich nations help poorer nations by um yeah by funding some of the infrastructure or i think that's probably for another podcast or something Ian, i think but yeah i think it's not just for the uk i think this, this uh, challenge needs to be looked at it it really amazed me because you, you'd think of the african continent as sort of EV void and yet you go to Kenya and there's EV charge points all over the place. Wow. So what you're seeing is every continent, every place is looking at this and, and trying to make um trying to make progress in that area. And and actually the key bit will be like you say, a joined up effort to support those nations that want to move at speed um in particular areas but maybe don't have the money to do it immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And getting the green energy of course to to fuel the cars as well. Absolutely. So, trying to try, try to bring this this around then, Andy. So, you you mentioned a couple of times you have a hybrid. You might have a hybrid in the future, all electric. Is what Claire and Ryan have said about the infrastructure of electric only? Is that kind of convinced you to go electric only, or was that not the the, the main decision factor for hybrid for you? No, no, it definitely would. I mean, it's, <coughs> it's, it is definitely the the way the way forwards. Um, 
I suppose, I, I think something we need to do, and again, I think both the guys have touched on this already, is we need to get away from the mindset of, you know, we fill, in inverted commas, our electric cars in the same way we fill our, our petrol cars or diesel cars. And I think that's absolutely right. I, I really like the analogy. Think of it like, you, like your mobile phone, like Claire said. Uh, so I think um, I think the, the sooner we can get out of that kind of mindset, the better. It's not to say that, you know, there can't be masses and masses of charging points like there is a petrol station because, you know, I'm sure I'm sure that there probably will be, but I think there's got to be other ways of doing it. Yeah, the bit the, I love the again the idea of the Airbnb style. You know, you just use somebody else's um, charger mm. overnight, or it could be, I don't know. Can we get more self charging with you know solar panels on the roof, of which there are some cars which which have some of those, for instance. And obviously, technology is improving where the batteries are getting better charging quicker so again there's some super batteries i read about the other day that can get an 80 percent charge in in three minutes um quite how how quickly that can get into mainstream i don't know but but i think again it's it, you, you, we've got to change our mindset and that will be a challenge because we're all stuck in our ways and so um but, but no I'll, I'll i will definitely look into evs the main reason i didn't get an ev previously was cost um just to be to be frank about it um, but again, that was a, that was a few years ago now, and, and prices are definitely coming down. Yeah. And again, I know over the longer term, you know, the costs are you know really quite reasonable because maintenance costs are typically lower for, for EVs. Uh, but I think again, the, the, we just need to be careful. Say we, I don't know who that's aimed at really, but the, you know, the world, because not everyone can afford that upfront capital. You know, um, if, if you're if you're on, on the, lo- the lower part of the you know the income threshold, it's all well and good saying, oh yeah, we need to buy an EV because it's cheaper over the long term. But who can put down you know the, the amount of cash that's needed? So, um, so yeah, I think that's so- interesting. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point you made there, Andy. And actually, that's uh, that's something I I do get like really excited about about um, what are the next wave of models of ownership or not yeah. ownership of EVs. And actually, yeah, it, we're now getting to the point where people's minds are open to uh, the fact that like, they, they maybe don't need to own a car uh, or at least uh, they don't need to own it all the time. So uh, to your point there, I think um, we'll see more and more this mobility as a service. You might have seen that you know, in the press, MAS, M-A-A-S, mobility as a service, which is like, I, I need a car for three months uh, to try it. I, I need a car for six months because I've ordered an EV and I and, and there's not none available yet or mm. um, I need a car for the weekend because I'm going on a longer journey and I've and I feel like we are just scratching the surface of that Agreed. world of mobility as a service um, we've mentioned um, you know, younger folks coming through painful but true you know we're not the youngsters anymore and the youngsters coming through mm-hmm. often um, actually aren't looking to get a driving license they are looking for this I need to get somewhere so how do I get somewhere? Um, you know, it's like, how do I make a phone call? Or like, how do I send an email? How do I get somewhere? That's a real mindset shift, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely mm. on the tail end of those generations of like, I own my car and I, it's my thing. It's my asset and I own it. So so leasing, subscription models, mobility as a service models, I think that's going to open up a lot of access to EVs that we, again, just scratching the service, surface. And, um, yeah. and also thinking about the battery as the core value of an EV. Again, uh, we've talked a lot about charging and rapid charging. Uh, you know, there's a thing that, again, most of us don't think about data, which is the chemistry of the battery. And the chemistry of the batteries, it's got some really important things associated with it. One is 
certain battery technologies will give you very long range, but does everyone need that long range? Certain battery technologies will give you not as long range, but we can make more of them. And then the materials that go into the batteries are critical minerals, critical materials, and where they're mined and how they're mined. And actually decarbonizing that whole manufacturing supply chain from the place where those minerals are taken out of the ground, how they are being processed, how they're turned into batteries, and how we then keep hold of that battery, because it's super valuable. We've put a lot of time and energy into making it and keeping it going. These, again, I, I find the whole thing super fascinating and very like intellectually exciting because there's so much opportunity there for um, folk just coming into uh, like the world of, of work and the world of industry thinking yeah could I be involved in like future mining like British lithium Cornish lithium two great up-and-coming like British startups in mining looking at exploiting our own natural resources in a really um, uh, nature positive way uh, yeah. for lithium based batteries you know could I be involved in um you know, secondhand leasing of vehicles, right? So I, I want to get a lease on a secondhand car because like that's really valuable and I, and I can't really afford a new one so that the leasing company controls the battery so that maybe next you could think about making that battery into a home battery, like a static battery in your home. There's so much opportunity out there and, and I think it's really exciting that, you know, having these conversations now hopefully will start inspiring some of the listeners to think, <clears throat> yeah, I could really get into that yeah. part of the supply chain. It's not just about being at the final point of owning a brand new EV, there's so much around it. Yeah, I think I think that that it's going to be the change, isn't it? It's going to be key to, to start thinking about all of these things differently. Um, exactly as you say, Claire, this whole thing about going away from you don't have to own own a car, you know, um, you don't have to charge at your home even. Yeah, you don't have yeah. to have a full charge. I think you're absolutely right. I think I think I always find for these sorts of things that if I could convince my dad that it's good idea um, and my dad always listens to the podcast so hi dad if you're listening um, <laughs> then, then, then there's, there's really something in it so and my dad he is pretty forward thinking with a lot of this sort of stuff so um so i'll, I'll do that test actually and I'll, I'll i'll come back to you and let you know <laughs> so, so uh, just just thinking about a number of things that you've all said around changing the way that um batteries um sorry changing the way that we should be charging up um is, is it naive of us to be thinking that we'll ever get to a point or we should ever get to a point where charging your vehicle is as quick as filling up at the petrol station? Or is it just we just have to change the way that petrol stations look um, and the experience of, of filling up away from the home? Um, or, or will we ever get to that point? Um, Ryan, do you have a, a thought on that? So, so I think there's a whole bit. Of, it's, it's really interesting. The first lot of super hubs that you see look like petrol stations for some reason and I don't know why they did that so if if I was doing it I'd have turned it into this futuristic hub where you can turn up you it's split into sort of two so you can go and do some work there or with your family you want to go and do this that and everything else and I, and I think it's it's changing the way we do things as opposed to comparing the old which is filling up with petrol or diesel and and the new it's just a totally different way of doing things and and change is always difficult for 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 humans to accept but it it isn't change it's just evolution and i think gradually we'll evolve away from uh trying to compare ev with with um with carbon fuels effectively and 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 look at it totally differently cool thanks ryan um clear anything you'd add to that Um, i agree um, I, th- I think that is the human nature to kind of it's the familiar and uh, and we're, we're in the transition like at the moment um, but yeah I, I also uh, uh, agree about 
um, you know, we don't need to we don't need to push for uh, all cars to be able to charge as fast as you can fill up with petrol or diesel. Um, but yeah, there are lots of challenges there just around the, the physics and the chemistry of it. Yeah. Um, and I would take it back to that. You know, I think actually just to touch on, you know, what we've all been through in the last couple of years with COVID and hopefully what we've all learned and embraced and the good stuff we'll take from that is actually we can slow down a bit and we can, you know, work and live in a different way going forward. And I feel like actually this plays to that in that, you know, charging shouldn't be seen as a, a major drag and it's holding me back and I've got to go, go, go and go faster. And this is taking up my time. It should be this is great. I, I need to take a call or I'd like to have a shop or I'd like to go and get some food and, and stretch my legs. And actually it fits into that nicely. So that's, that's my hope for the future. Cool. Nice one, Claire. Um, just bringing, bringing the, the podcast to a close in with a, with a final question and, and, and I guess thinking about myself, but also others like me that, that might kind of have um, still things in our heads around, uh, you know, popular myths around, you know, whether it be the infrastructure or, or EVs themselves, um, you know, what, what what are the sort of things that you were always hearing and, and kind of raising your eyebrows and coming on, oh, we're not still thinking this way, are we? Um, Claire, sort of coming to you first about sort of what, what's the sort of one myth you'd like to debunk today about EVs or, or the infrastructure? Um, I, I really, yeah, the very simple one, which is that they're not very good. Um, they're absolutely amazing. And I think you hear that, and we said it before, you, when you try one, you realize how great they are. So that's my mission is to help people get into EVs and give them a go and, and to debunk that, that they're not very good. <laughs> they're amazing. Okay, thank you, Claire. And how about you, Ryan? I think the, the fact that you have to charge it up to 100% every time. Right. You, you okay. don't. Just okay. charge it a little bit, treat it like your phone, and then and then make the most of the time you have. Well, thanks, right. And anything you'd add, Andy, obviously as a hybrid user, um, you know, you, you, you're not sort of uh, a, a diesel maniac, but, you know, you're, you're kind of not quite fully electric at the moment. So anything that you hear when speaking either with your dad or anybody else in the family, you kind of go, no, 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 that's just not true. Well, I, had, I did hear someone saying to me once, oh, yeah, but, but the batteries are always blowing up, aren't they? And setting fire, getting, catching fire. And, and it's like, you know what? Yes, there has been one or two stories of batteries catching fire. But when you compare to how many petrol cars have catch fire, you know, it's absolutely minuscule. So it's uh, so there's, there certainly are, you know, loads of myths out there or, you know, rumours, which how many of those are perhaps politically motivated by the petrol car manufacturers? I don't know. I think, yeah. But I think the main one for me is one we've touched on already, which was, again, it's cost. And I think Claire's done, you know, a brilliant job of explaining, yes, but that's going to, you know, we need to stop thinking about it as like, you know, one kind of capex cost up front and start thinking about these different models. And uh, yeah. and I think as they will just get more mainstream, which they will, um, that that myth will will just get uh, somewhat debunked as well. Brilliant. Okay. So, so listen, all, um, I've, I've loved listening to you, to you all speaking today about, about this uh, and from the different perspectives as well. And, and <clears throat> I suppose the, the greatest thing I'll, I'll take from this is, you know, get in a car. I think that I think to, to get in one and try it, I think is, is going to be a, a, the, the first step. Secondly, I'll be, I'll be watching with interest how companies start to try and educate people about this mind shift change and how, to, to your point, Ryan, petrol stations have to change the way they look 
because there's no way I'm going to want to spend an hour in my local petrol station at the moment. Um, that's just not going to be something I'm interested in at all. But how, how these things change and how we start to look to uh, market this, this, this idea, I suppose, of, of changing and fitting it, <coughs> excuse me, fitting it into your life rather than adding it as a job. Um, got to fill the car, I've got to charge the car. Um, so I think it's, it's really interesting. So I've, I've, I've certainly gone closer to the pro camp now, um, for sure. Um, so, so thank you all for that. I'm super grateful for your time, uh, as always. I, I, I really love doing these podcasts, and this this was definitely one of, one of my favourites in a while. So thank you all. Um, um, and as always, thank you uh, for the listeners for choosing to listen to What the Future. Um, if you enjoyed the, this episode, then please hit subscribe and, and tell others as well, because obviously the, the more people listen to us, the better. Um, and also, you know, the, the podcast is, is a way of us talking to future leaders. The other way that we do this is through mentoring. If you're looking for a mentor or indeed if you want to become a mentor, um, please go along to the Future Leaders Mentoring website, which is www.futureleadersmentoring.com. Um, or search for us on LinkedIn, where we put loads of our content. All of our podcasts are sort of marketed through LinkedIn, and we get loads of discussions started through LinkedIn as well. So um, thank you all, and uh, look forward to you listening to, uh, again in the future.